Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things, so... Dave has requested that Craig go last for good thing. So, Craig, what's your good thing? <laughs> um, I'm actually curious what Dave's good thing will be in relation to mine, because I already announced mine in the Good Things channel that we have. Um, my baby was born last week, a bit more than a week ago, actually. So... I know this is a repeat, I'm sorry, but but she's here in the world, and I've gotten no sleep, so it's a good thing. I think, Congratulations. I think Dave wanted you to go last because he expected you to gush about that a little longer than you did. <laughs> sure. But the picture's adorable, and congrats. I do have a lot of pictures, but I've decided not to, you know, inundate the channels with them. Why? Yeah, you, you would need your own channel for that. Right. All right. So it's cool. I'm, I can keep it low key. Right now, I'm going to change the name of Animal Picks to how do I no, how do I go it's into? Okay. Hang on, I'm trying to figure out how to work Discord. No, keep it Animal Picks, Animal and Baby Picks. There we go. Animal Picks has been changed. <laughs> oh, specifically my baby. Yes. Okay. So feel free to spam that channel full of picks all you want. It's okay. Dave has already muted it. And Dave, it's your turn. What's your good thing? Uh, my good thing is Craig's kid. I uh, didn't have, want him to steal it from me. Have you gotten a meter yet? <laughs> what? No. Actually, that's a good idea. Maybe I will someday. Uh, my <laughs> good thing this week is I finally got around to watching season three of The Dragon Prince. And it was good. It it wasn't... I would say it did not exceed my expectations. It was about as good as I wanted it to be. Um didn't blow like kind of didn't really blow me out of the water like the first two seasons did but it was good i liked it yeah that's one i still need to get around to yeah, yeah i also haven't watched you guys did watch it yet i haven't watched well, dragon I... prince same i haven't rewatched avatar i haven't watched cora i am bad i did watch good omen i started dragon prince i just need to get caught up i also haven't finished uh, castlevania season three yet what oh, i forgot to watch castlevania there's a season three yeah oh my gosh <laughs> all right if, with your daughter if you want to get technical season one is more of a season zero season two is a proper season one and then season three would then be the proper season two like how rambo part one is actually first blood and rambo is rambo two but it's really rambo one first blood is rambo zero sure Moving on. I was wondering if we were just going to let Dave continue. <laughs> I was perfectly happy to let him keep going as long as he felt like it. Apparently, he does not feel like it. Uh, so my good thing this week is a really dumb tweet that I posted in our good things. It's it's so dumb. It's the dumbest thing, and I laugh so hard at it. Uh, it's it's basically somebody put a bunch of like fast food logos through a stupid filter and it's amazing i i don't know how to describe it you'll need to actually see the thing and it's i love it i love it so much it's so good 
<laughs> and one of the things in it reminded me of a line from Homestar Runner. Um, but and I posted that in Discord, but you have to click the link and watch it externally to go to the correct times if you watch it within Discord. It doesn't read the times. Well, I mean you should watch the whole thing because Strong Bad Email is wonderful. Yeah. Alright, so Tori, I think you're up next. I think I am. I'm finally getting around to watching season three of Westworld and it's fun. I'm really enjoying it. I don't think I've seen that since season one. Yeah, I watched season one. I really enjoyed it. And then my HBO free preview ended. And yep. Uh, I will say that um, season two, I felt, was really, really dark. Um, Season three seems less dark so far. I'm only about halfway through it. But um, it's much more of a, um, like, espionage adventure vibe to it of you know trying to figure out who the bad guys are and um how to overcome them and yeah i'm enjoying it there's even a scene where they imply that the whole of game of thrones is just another park (laughs) by the delos corporation medieval world yes that explains the coffee cup right no it was (laughs) it was hilarious um there's there's a scene where some of the characters, uh, some of the host characters, those are those would be the the robots that live in the park. Uh, so one of them is kind of behind the scenes uh, in in the technical area, and these two technicians are sitting next to a robot dragon, and they're talking. And the robot dragon is Drogon from Game of Thrones, and the two technicians are Weiss and Benioff from. <laughs> the the creators of game of thrones and oh i laughed so hard but it was just a really short scene (laughs) and um so that's my good thing just that one particular scene from season three of westworld so i I remember years ago when westworld first came out and i watched the first season or maybe only like the first three or four episodes and i really enjoyed it i thought it was a good show but i thought it could have done without the nudity like i would be inclined to just binge it if it weren't for that but Right, but that's kind of an HBO thing. They basically yeah, everything I've they, seen on HBO, they don't like think that's they can their shows without sex, right? So. <laughs> Except curb your enthusiasm. I... It's kind of funny because Matt started watching Westworld long before I did, and he was like, "Babe, I just found this new show. It's called Westworld, and uh, it's really good. And maybe you should watch it." And I, and he started telling me the premise, and I was like, "That sounds really familiar." And then I I figured out I had read the the story and um. And then we found the old movie. But anyway, that that happens sometimes if you read a lot. I would argue that the nudity serves a purpose to the plot in Westworld. And, and thus, it, Art, it deserves it does, to be there. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> right. It Because in Westworld, you get a lot of, like, they use the, the nudity to dehumanize the hosts. Um so I get that. And uh, same thing with Watchmen, like when uh, Dr. Manhattan um, walks around naked, it's it's just because he has released his humanity, like he has risen above it. And like, and you see a lot of that in the movie version. I'm just going to take a detour through the movie version of Watchmen. Um, you, you see that when he's still trying to resume his human life but just with all of these powers he's fully clothed and but as the plot goes on and the years go by he's he's wearing less and less and less until he's just walking around naked because he doesn't care because he's basically no longer immortal because he's really bad at strip poker that too all 
All right. So, Dave, you read, uh, I don't want to call them chapters. I guess they are. He read days. They are days. You, you read half of a, uh, of a novella this week. I read 59 days in two days. <laughs> so we, of course, started The Emperor's Soul, a short story which takes place on Cell. And, uh, this is the prologue through day 59. All right. So let's go with the prologue. Um, all right. So this guy's name, I'm going to pronounce it with a, with a J because it's, it's spelled like the British spelling of the word jail. So I'm going to call him Jailtona, even though it might be Gaotona. So, I um, would yeah. pronounce it Gaotona. So you're not. Yeah, right. the, the audiobook takes that hard G. I mean, I go either way. I've been pronouncing it Gaotona. Yeah. yeah, but Cell, you have to pronounce all the vowels. No. No, that's only. Only around in... Elantris. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. It's a regional thing. Like everything on Cell. We'll get into it. We'll get into it, but regional variants are extremely important well, on this I planet. I also like Galtona sounds kind of Asianese, and I thought that like Shy was, but not the Arbiters. But we'll see. All right, so we've got Galtona. Uh, whoever this lady is, Frava thinks her art is horrible, and this lady is Wan Shai Lu, the Forger. So. They're just, uh, these arbiters are sitting around. They're like, what are we going to do with this prisoner? Can we use her to serve our end? And let's find out. And day two. Day two is in jail. What's a striker? The strikers lead Shy to Rayshek's Lodge. Knights is the new harmony, or perhaps rust and ruin. Galtona is more difficult to read than a book in Swordfish. Shy agrees to help for a box of cigars. Emperor was assassination attempted. Frava says the name of the book. That's right. She says, you are going to replace the Arcanum Unbounded with a forger. Oh no, the Emperor's soul. Just wink, the Emperor. Wink, grub-a-dub-dub, and that's the end of day two. Wait, you got all that from one day? Day two is a long no, day. From, from two days. It is. But not today. It must have been a Monday. Yeah, they had all the emails from over the weekend stockpiled or piled up. <laughs> I guess they don't stockpile. All right. Uh, so we meet our protagonist. Her name is Wan Shailu. And she's uh, based on her name and the artwork at the beginning of the story. I would guess that she's. Uh, from wherever that place is that Shudin was from. I couldn't remember the name of his country. Shudel? Shudin. The dancer guy. The dancer yeah, I, country. Uh, I know he was Jindoese. That's the one. Yeah, so I wonder if she may be from Jindo or maybe even related to what's-his-face, Shudin. And she is what they call a forger. And we'll, as we... Read on through the days, we'll learn more about what a forger exactly is. But uh, her jailers are known as strikers, uh, led by Captain Zoo. And we don't know what a striker is. I've capitalized, so it might just be a title, but maybe they've got some kind of power. Uh, right, so the Arbiters bring her in, and she meets Gautona and uh, Frava, and three people whose names don't matter. And <laughs> 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 uh, they, they, we either don't get them or I didn't write them down and so 
uh, Shy has been planning her escape and trying to figure out, you know, what angle she can work with what these guys want to do with her. So it turns out what happened was their emperor was uh, assassination attempted, and actually his wife was assassinated, and he suffered severe brain damage. Now, they were able to heal him physically, but they need Shy to forge the king's soul so that they can fool everybody into thinking that everything's fine, Wait. nothing is ruined. Whose soul? I thought we had an emperor. The em- the emperor's soul strikes back. Yeah, the emperor's soul. And so, not to be confused with Emperor Ellen. So, this is just a political thing, right? So, if this emperor dies or gets replaced, then these five arbiters will lose power to another faction. And so, they just want to... They want to put on this. They want to make it appear that nothing bad happened to the emperor, so that they can stay in power. And, and uh, the first of Shai's demands. Well, first she kind of like fakes that she would have been able to use her magic to escape, and she seems to be able to fool them into giving her more than just her freedom for helping them out. Uh, she gets boxes of jars, which are like they're like a uh, they're like her different characters it's like her memory card from a game (laughs) nice it's like all her save files from her soul crafting on herself she's like my save files i'd have gone on character sheets but that's good character sheets yeah uh so so you know they're promising her that and she's like i also want wealth and they're like done and she's like they agreed to that too fast they're they're gonna just kill me aren't they all right, and she's like, "All right, before I start working, I need a bath." So, uh, the next day, day three, she wakes up all clean in in her new bedroom, or yeah, forget if she's in her new room, which is barely better than a cell. At least it has a splintery table. All right, any questions about day two? This is all very clear to me. Okay, day three. Shy swipes a vase from the hallway and scrutinizes the made in sticker. So like you guys know how <laughs> you guys know how like anytime you have like a little piece of ceramic or some kind of trinket or or bauble, there's a like a little made oval gold Atlanta. sticker that says "Made in" and whatever country it was made in. Yep. And it's exactly like the countries are all vary, but the sticker is always the same. It's always this little oval gold sticker. So anytime these forgers uh, make a replica of something or make some kind of decoration they have these these marks that are just kind of like hidden on the bottom like out of the way so nobody can see the 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 mark and you know to go along with that a a monk i don't know if you guys remember this but he he likes certain inspectors of his clothes and they have a little number attached to them he would totally be able to to take a look at all these maiden stickers and be able to tell the difference between them even if they say the exact same thing Made in Steve. <laughs> Made in Dennis. Uh, so the these marks are just kind of hidden out of the way and just kind of there because they have to be there. And Shy's a little disappointed because she likes to she likes to be a little more showy with her marks when she makes forgeries. And so what a forgery is, so Shy can rewrite a well. The example she's giving is a chain. Like oh, so uh, dude, right? Uh, What's the guy's name? Gaotona? Gaotona's like, oh, we can't put you in manacles because you just turn them into soap and slip out. And she's like, well, yeah, that's not exactly right. So what she can do is 
she can rewrite a chain's history so that one of its links was shoddily cast. Like basically change the past of something and thereby change uh, its present. So I, she's kind of like a, a hex editor. She just goes into the code of That's real fair. life objects and changes uh, their composition or little details about them. But she yeah. can't rewrite too much because it, it's still, it has to be believable enough. Otherwise, the the uh, the soul 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 cast the right word. Yeah, no, that sounds like a wait. That sounds like a Wave Kings thing. Soul. That's true. <laughs> uh, anyways, so whatever so it's soul forging, I think, isn't it? Soul forging. I don't know. Whatever changes she makes have to be slight or believable. Otherwise, the the transformation will fail and. The, it'll like go back after a minute or less if it's even worse. So she can change the hex code of real life objects, but only to an extent. She's basically a life hacker. Uh, Shy is also racist against blood sealers. Uh, Hraithan's boss Junior comes in and cuts her arm to make a warding bone rune. Hraithan's <laughs> boss Junior. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of Hraithan's boss. So we called him. Gollum for most of the recording, I think. Gollum? I don't think I called him that. Well, I you weren't with us yet. It. So rather than missing half of the podcast in those days, I missed, I guess, three quarters because I came in halfway through the book. I listened to the book. Uh, so she's like, so this guy comes in and he very closely fits a physical description of a, a real world real world type of person whose name I'm not going to say because I don't know if it's offensive, but he comes in and in this world, it indicates that he's one of them guys like, uh, like Freyton's boss. What the heck was that Diloph. guy's name? Diloph. Bryce Diloph. So he, so he does like bone carvings and accesses the door that way and uses the door to block the door. And prevent Shy from escaping. Or rather, if she attempts to escape, then he has undead pets that will chase her down. And uh, Shy is a little upset, but she forges herself a better attitude. But it's a lowercase f forge, so it's not a lot of literal magical forge. All right. And that's the end of day three. Day five. And work she did. Day 12. You're next, Chair Muhuhaha. This has something to do with three realms. Walls have souls. Faux poo. All right, so, uh, not Shalon. Shai starts reforging items in her room. She's remade the table so that it's a little nicer, um, primarily so she doesn't get splinters, but also, you know, does some silver inlays and things to make it look good, too. She's like, this chair's wobbly. I'm going to fix it next. Ha, 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 ha. And... She's talking to, I forget, I think she's talking to Geo Tona in this chapter. Yeah, because comes in the next one. So she's talking to Geo Tona and kind of explaining how the forgery works, how everything exists in three realms, the physical, the cognitive, and spiritual. And I think this is so far the clearest explanation we get of the three realms. Uh, physical is obvious. That's what we can see and hear and feel and everything. Like the cognitive realm is um, how an object sees itself and how others perceive it like i guess and then spirit realm is just spirit it's not really actually explained that well now that i think about it i don't think it goes any further to explain than just the names themselves actually do already so i changed my mind okay you know how in the matrix 
when Neo goes back in the Matrix, he's all like, wow, I have hair here. And they explain how that works there. Dave? I understand the Matrix enough to imagine that Neo said that. How come Morpheus doesn't have hair there? Oh, basically, it's the same thing as the cognitive realm. The The Matrix could be part of uh, the Cosmere. And now I officially declare that it is. I disagree with this fan theory. Actually, it makes perfect sense because um, because Shakespeare is in the real world, which is where the Matrix takes place. And we already confirmed Shakespeare. <laughs> Why did we do that? Just because of Hoyd? Right, because he is uh, the fool from all of the, the plays, yes. Yeah, actually makes sense. Darn. And apparently inanimate objects and non-carbon-based materials actually have souls. Uh, so, like, you're not so much reforging a wall, you're, like, convincing a wall that it is made of something it was made of a rock that was actually rolled from the next quarry over instead of the one that it was actually from so you have to know a little bit about the history of objects so that you're you're not changing its history so much that it that the wall can't believe itself and this is the difficulty of having to forge the king's soul because she has to understand the king's past well enough to uh, make a new soul for him that isn't too far off of you know the original deal and in the meantime uh we've i didn't they established this back in day two but she basically has a hundred days to forge the king's soul because they've hidden the king away so remember he's like um he's alive physically but he's in sort of a comatose state because uh his soul was severed from his brain or something and he's they have him hidden away saying that he's in a mourning period because the emperor's wife died during the assassination attempt. So, oh, he's hidden away. So Chai, you know, is trying to make sure they're doing a, a good job of pretending that he's still A-OK. And she's like, oh, you bringing food to his room? Yeah, we're bringing food and we're feeding him broth and then throwing the other food coming back with empty trays and platters and stuff. And she's like, well, are you changing a chamber pot every day? And they're like, ew, no. <laughs> she's like, you better, <laughs> you you never better go make, to the bathroom. better make a faux poo or that would be a faux paw. Mm, nice. And that's the end of day 12. All right. Uh, day 17, made up pasty feast. Frava is here. Shia likes putting her seal on display so other forgers can see how her work is done. This is basically the cell equivalent of GitHub? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, so she's just up she's displaying her code on GitHub so other people can Like look see at this source code. It's so well maintained <laughs> and well commented. Bravo. Shy might not have a hundred days. Uh, so a couple things happen here. Frava comes in, and Frava is trying to get Shy to not not perfectly recreate the Emperor's soul, but give you know give him more a back door. A back door. Yeah, that's how they say it, a back door. But basically, give him more of an inclination to listen to 
the arbiters of Prava's, uh Prava's. Hey, guys. Have you seen the Eddie Izzard skit where he's talking about hackers putting in a back door so you can look at all the missiles? Okay. Do any of you guys know Eddie Izzard? I love yes. Eddie Izzard. I'm, I'm extremely familiar with his work. I haven't heard this one. Same. Is he a guitar player from Van Halen? It's so no. good, though. I'll, I'll dig up the clip and pop it in good things. Who am I thinking of? I'm or less no. familiar with Van Halen guitarists. Black Sabbath. I'm even less familiar with Black Sabbath guitarists. I need to look this up. No, I'm thinking of Tony Iommi. That sounds yeah. nothing and, like Eddie Izzard. And Ozzy Osbourne. I think I somehow mixed up Tony Iommi and Ozzy Osbourne and got Eddie Izzard. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I didn't forget Ozzy Osbourne, by the way. Did you forget about Dre? Dre. Oh, God, he forgot about Dre. Everyone back away from Dave quickly. He forgot about Dre. Dave Walker. So back to whatever day we were on. There's also Dave Dave Spitz played bass for Black Sabbath at one point. I have no idea where we were anymore. Eddie Izzard. (laughs) Frava. Putting in the back door. Yeah, so Frava wants the king to be um, more susceptible to her influence. And by king, I mean emperor. And Shai also suspects that Frava has another forger standing by who's perhaps less skilled but more loyal. So once Shai gets her work to a certain point where this more loyal forger can pick up, she suspects that Frava's going to have her executed. She's probably right. And that's the end of day 17. Cool. Day 30. Galtona will test. Swiss cheese memory. Painting shenanigans. Shai finds Gautona's weak. All right, so she needed somebody to test the marks on. They're called marks, right? Stamps. The soul stamps. Soul stamps. Essence marks. Okay, so she needed someone to test the marks on, which I actually misunderstood when she first requested. Like, oh, I need someone to test the stamps on. I thought she meant she was going to put the stamps into the emperor and have somebody talk to the emperor and see, like, if they could tell the difference. Something like that. But she actually meant to take the marks and put them into the test subject because apparently, like, if this person was, you know, close enough throughout the emperor's life and knew him well enough, then this stamp, if it's good, it will take to this person that's really close for a couple minutes. So if, if it's good enough to be a couple minutes for someone close to the emperor, then it'll be good enough to last for about a day for the for the for reals emperor and he makes a connection between this and actually the blood sealer who is coming in and putting the uh rune of protection on her door every day so the, this guy the blood sealer guy has to put the seal of protection they have to cut her arm and use her blood uh to put the seal up every single day and i guess it has about a 24-hour time limit but uh Blood sealer guy likes to stay up late drinking, and he's late sometimes. So she thinks, oh, if I could get blood sealer to come early someday and then make sure he gets really drunk that night and he'll be late the next day, I'll have maybe an hour or two gap that, oh, that's one obstacle less that I'll have to deal with in trying to escape here. Uh, So Gavitone is actually going to be the test here and have the soul stamps put into him. Because he doesn't want it's an abomination to these arbiters, and Gaotona doesn't want to subject somebody else to it. All right, so Swiss cheese memory that's a line from the David Beckett show. Not, I mean, Glenn Beckett, 
What's that guy's name? Sam Beckett. Quantum Leap. <laughs> he always talks about how going through the Quantum Leap accelerator gave him his, his memory. So that's how, you know, um, Chai is like, well, it'd be more convincing. You might want to let people know that King the Emperor is not the same as he was before. You know, he's had some problems with his memory because it's not going to be completely perfect. Like, I can get his general personality, but he's not going to recall specific conversations that he's had with people. And then she goes on and talks about uh, what happened leading up to her incarceration. So she was imprisoned for stealing this moon staff. And, oh my gosh, the fool is Hoyt, isn't it? Maybe. Maybe not. So she was uh, in cahoots with the with the fool, and she was betrayed by him. But Hoyt doesn't seem very betray-y, so maybe not. I don't know. But maybe he does. Maybe we don't know him that well. Or maybe he really just needed his moon staff. So she f- made a fake. There was also this painting hanging up in the wherever the thing was. Uh, I think it was actually Frava's bedroom or something. And she was testing out the security. So she made two forgeries, uh, an obvious fake and a really good forgery, so that she swapped the uh, the good forgery with the real painting and had the uh, the really bad forgery in the room for people to find so that, you know, they would think that she hadn't made the swap yet. And uh, Gail Tona is really on to her. He's like, you're not, you can't have made this bad of a forgery by mistake. You had to have done this on purpose. So what's the deal? And she's like, ah, oh, this is what happened. And she also says that she burned the original painting and that really gets under Gautona's skin. And I think she might use his appreciation for art and things like that to somehow manipulate him in the future. So like, she's this whole time been trying to find a way that she can manipulate Gautona. And I think she found it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Day 42. How cool would it be to have your emperor forgery sitting on the throne? And that's it. <laughs> so a, a lot of what what Shai enjoys about what she does is uh, the pride of having her work on display and, you know, not and having it be passed off as the original thing. And like that would be the ultimate having the emperor himself forgery being on the throne. And that was your work. And your work was so good that it convinced. Um, but, you know, she's remembering the words of her aunt and uncle and her mentor in forgery like she doesn't want to she doesn't want to be too proud she should be focusing on escaping and that's pretty much all we get for day 42 uh day 58 the stamps are starting to sound inquisity shy's note uh so now we've got frava in her room again and everything's uh completely different she actually moved the wall back a couple feet to make room for a fireplace um she's got a <laughs> nice, real do. nice stained glass window she's got a really nice ornate table that's just so beautiful that the guards sit and play cards on her table that she made for her room uh and frava comes in and you know shy starts explaining well we i'm gonna i'm gonna have to make you a new stamp every day uh you know maybe after a long period of time the emperor won't need the shards anymore but i i, I don't think she explicitly says this but i think the implication here is that Shy needs to remain useful to Frava so that Frava doesn't replace her and have her killed. And so the idea is like, oh, we're going to need a new mark every day 
to keep up the charade. And then Prava takes uh, Shai's notebook, which I think this is probably the same notebook where Shai had taken encoded escape plans. Um, that might have been a separate notebook. But the main concern here is that Prava is going to take this uh, these notes to the loyal forger and he's going to study them and see if he can be at a point where uh where they can replace shy and that's about it for chapter 58 or day 58 and day 59 uh we come back here and we've got fakish notes vogon poetry and <laughs> brava mad no so, uh fakish notes so shy is talking about how her notes were a sort of forgery lowercase f and Shai likes to use the word forgery a lot when talking about things, and you just have to pay attention to when it's capital F and when it's lowercase f, uh, because so when she's using it metaphorically or when she's talking about mundane forgery, like you know, making a, a fake Mona Lisa, like or something like that, you know, so, something that we would see in the real world, a mundane forgery. It's use it uses a lowercase f, and in fact, that's how all of the forgers start their training by making mundane forgeries you know so that they can get the idea of knowing the essence of something and recreating it convincingly and so in shy's notes she really overemphasizes the fact of how hard this task is going to be and how no one could possibly do it and how <laughs> you know to, to get across the idea that uh that prava really needs her and she's indispensable and Frava comes back and she's like, ah, here's your notes back. Ah. <laughs> and the bit about the Vogon poetry is uh, basically exactly like the scene from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the emperor writes really bad poetry and forces people to listen to it and forces people to compliment it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Day 59 is over. We have presumably 41 days remaining and we'll pick up at day 70 next week we'll see if frava has anything to say about that so what do you think so far it's fun i i don't other than the bone guy i don't really see any connection to a launch yeah i was gonna say do you can you see the connection between this and um, the other book in cell it's like it seems there was a hint that... there was a hint yeah the bone guy it's no, not, not that him. far off. Uh, is it that her aunt's name is Saul and Saul is close to Cell? No. No. I there's... want you. I'm not going to. I don't want to um, say it. Well, we'll let you think about it for a week. But there, there's something pretty obvious, I think, that uh, is described to us that that can at least show you a connection between the magic system that the Elantrans use and what uh, Shay is, is using. Well, there's a lot. What Shay is doing. Is it Shay? It almost certainly is not. Don't go by Craig's pronunciation ever. <laughs> Shy? That's how I've done it, and I'm pretty sure that's how the it's audiobooks like do it. No, guy. no, wait. I want Tori to tell me. That says Ninja Gated, isn't he? Tori, how do I say it? It's Shy. God. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to be right. You're all going to be wrong. Everyone's going to be in shock. It's going to be I, great. I really look <laughs> I wonder, forward to it. Craig, what's your daughter's name? Ada. Are you sure that's how it's pronounced? That's what she's going by. She's stuck with that. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, how does how does Mrs. Craig pronounce it? Ada. <laughs> how does the audiobook pronounce 
We don't go Ida or something like that. Yes, please pronounce. Although I believe name it's the way sort you of spell like it. Ada in in European countries, like that's how you pronounce the Ada name. But in the U.S., it's Ada. Totally fair. So anyway, what Shai is doing here in this book is it seems very similar to Aeon Door. It's like uh, she she wants uh, you know she has to draw these runes or some kind of markings or whatever that. Uh, that match, um, you know, what she wants, whatever. She, she's got to draw pictures physically to represent magic stuff. But it's all, like, this one thing about creating new objects. So it's not like she has, like, the range of power that Aeon Door has. Uh, another thing that was kind of interesting is that she's making, like, smaller runes. And then eventually she's going to combine them into one big rune, one big mark for the Emperor's soul. So that's kind of like Aeon Door, how you have all these little parts going into uh, like the, the meta rune. And then uh, and that reminds me, when she was talking about having all of the marks, you know, she's like, oh, well, the, all the marks can be in the Emperor, but he's going to need like a new central mark every day. It kind of reminded me of the Inquisitor plugs where you've got like the one main plug and all the others spikes to it um yeah so and then like the like the really obvious connection is the blood makers runes of bone and things like that so other than that i'm trying to also place like where uh shy is from the world of elantris and like i said jindo's a good candidate i actually wonder if the strikers use the magic that shuden used where they access the door by doing their dance moves um was it knights someone say knights is that like english soul knights <laughs> uh knights because the current uh faction worships the 80 sons yeah so were there 80 sons in elantris no that was that was just from from this well they uh, they yeah. believe it's the same like each sun that rises in the morning is a different sun right. rather than it's the same so it's not like there's 80 suns in the sky so much as that's one sun per day what page is it on it's like the it's like the big chapter where she's talking about her magic uh not her magic her um her beliefs versus Gaetonus. when okay. she's talking about like the different realms yeah yeah she's talking about the three realms and he's like oh i don't hold by your pagan superstitions and she's like no you just believe there's 80 suns no i mean where i'm sorry where's the uh thing that's obviously connecting Okay, so uh, I will tell you, because this is not a spoiler, uh, Shai is Maypon, which is similar to the Jindo. Um, it's, they used to be the same sort of ethnicity, uh, ethnicity, but they separated a long time ago. So um, That was the big key thing that was supposed to connect this to a No, 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 that is not oh. the key thing. I'm just letting you what know what it is, because you're trying to I'm guess. It's, it's not really relevant to anything. Um, okay, there there are a couple of of major clues that I'm going to go against Craig here and just tell you. Okay. Uh, the first is that Svordel is is explicitly name dropped, uh, and the Svordish Svordish language. That's a tough one to say. Is that where uh, Serene was from? No, Horathen is from Svorden. Yeah, I'm supposed to remember that. No, no, but if you did, it would have been. 
uh, a little like, hey, this is on the same planet. Uh, the other big thing is that on the back of the soul stamp, uh, she has to carve a shape that she thinks looks like the a map of uh, Maypon, the country she's from. Yep. In much That's... the same way that uh, Aeon Dor, first you draw, you know, the, the, the northern lake. border, the eastern mountains, and then the lake. Yep. That's that's the main one. The fact that because none of us remember the name of the country, her soul stamps look like a location, which should tell you that should be a clue that this magic system is related. Not necessarily works the same as Elantris, but it is similar. I think the bone thing's more obvious. If that's what helps you, but sure. <laughs> I mean, we have somebody using the magic system. It, one of the magic systems that we've already seen before in detail. So no, it isn't. It it has similar aspects, but eh, it's not whatever. the same magic system. I guess this is what I get for not being allowed to read the introduction. The Selish system. Yep, that's what you get. <laughs> you'll you understand probably... a little. You'll you'll understand more in the second half. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say you'll understand more. When you actually get to listen to our spoiler sections, like if you go back and listen to a launcher spoiler section, I think we spend a long time talking about how the magic system actually works. So that's something for you to look forward to in a couple years. So speaking of spoiler sections, shall we get to it? Yes, let's. Dave, did you have anything else? Okay, thanks. Bye. All right. <laughs> Bye, Dave. <laughs> Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And we're in spoiler time. So All what right. do we want to talk about regarding the Emperor's Soul in spoiler time before we get to preview chapters that we have two weeks worth of and... I've got stuff to do in like two hours, so we have to go fast. Oh, I've don't got worry. Stuff to do in an hour, so we're all right. We can take up the full hour if you guys wish. I'd um, rather not. So the big thing I think from this is that I see a lot of similarities between what Shy's doing and Shalon. Yeah, I mean this is basically soul casting. It is. It absolutely is. Like the whole messing with something's identity is exactly what Shalon does. And here we get, I think, a better description of it. So so having this as a foundation before we get to Words of Radiance is really good. So just as a recap for those of you uh, listening at home, um, what Shai is doing, she's basically able to sort of augment the identity of particular objects. Um, and this is similar to when soul castings perform, like when you try to take a stick and say it should be on fire. That's trying to change its identity. Um, now, <laughs> that particular scene in Words of Radiance, Shallan wasn't very good at soul casting at the time that she couldn't convince the stick I to am be a stick. fire. Or the stick but, is the single most powerful, most sure identity thing in the entire Cosmere, and it's actually a shard in hiding. It is one of the 16, and it is hiding out <laughs> on Roshar <laughs> as a one stick. One of the 16. Clearly, and none of the other shards even noticed it was there the whole time. This is this is Bella is the creator level theorizing here, and I stand by it. So, um, if Yasna was the one trying to soul cast a stick, clearly she'd be able to do it. So this is sort of the level that no, no, because it it is a shard, and what Mike said, I don't like this theory. So if if it's a different stick, 
Yasna would be able to soul cast it into fire. And that's sort of the same thing where where Shai needs to understand the history. So basically, when she's looking at the history of something, she's really looking and studying the identity of an object. So therefore, she can, as Dave so eloquently put it, do a hex edit, change the history just slightly to make it a better version of itself. But Craig, what if Shai doesn't actually know the identity of the specific things she's trying to change? She just knows the identity of something that's really close to it. What if it shares a capital C connection? Can you tell me about that? (laughs) Oh boy, can I? Um, So I I think the key point of how this system works is, is that the object that she's convincing, whatever she's suggesting, whatever identity change she's making, it has to be believable. So the object, it really is like when Shalon's trying to convince something in the cognitive realm, hey, you should be a thing. You should be this other thing instead. Um, Shy is sort of convincing it. Hey, this is your actual history. You used to be a beautiful glass stained glass window um, and someone repaired you recently. And it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like it sort of has to have that sense of believability. So when she's studying the history of an object, I think she is forming a connection with a capital C connection with the object. That's sort of her way of perceiving the identity. She does a lot of research and things like that, but I think there is a little bit, um, there's some perception that she has. Maybe it's sort of subconscious that she can sort of study the identity of an object. She does research, but she also picks up a lot of things that you wouldn't expect just from like reading over the, the history of the emperor or something like that. She's figuring out a lot about these objects in her room in order to change what they are and they're just they're just educated guesses but i think part of that is because she can sort of maybe maybe just slightly see into the cognitive realm and sort of get a feel for these objects minds i don't know that you would even have to see into the cognitive realm because really like anytime something bad happens like you know you've had an accident or you've injured yourself the inclination is to immediately wish that that bad thing hadn't happened and like if you could just go back and undo the thing and so that when she talked about how the stained glass window still saw itself as a stained glass window that to me that was just kind of sad (laughs) it's true because you know terrible things happen and you always wish you could go back and undo the terrible thing and um but she is able to give them that. And so that's kind of neat. She was able to look at the window, though, and deduce its history from that. Like, that's what I mean. There's a lot of inferences that she makes, which I think is just a subconscious link into the con realm. I'm not saying she, I, I don't want to say she looks in the cognitive realm. We've seen people who can actually look into the cognitive realm, but it's sort of like her mind and keep in mind people exist in all three realms so i don't think it's a stretch to say that there's whatever part of her that's in the cognitive realm is forming that connection and can sort of learn about the history of objects within the cognitive realm itself and i think the other important thing we want to take from this whole magic system is all three things are connected here physical cognitive and spiritual so you're not just changing things you're not just trying to change something's mind in the cognitive realm this might have been shalan's problem when she first tried to soul cast you actually have to ultimately have the change the the soul itself has to change in the spiritual realm and it sort of populates 
to the other two realms from there. So you can't just change something's mind in the cognitive realm. It has to be all three. Well, you change it in the spiritual realm and it bubbles upward. Well, and another similarity that I see between what Shai is doing and what Shalon is doing is like when Shalon um, does a portrait of someone and she draws them as kind of their idealized self. Yep. Uh, you, you see Shai doing that, like with the table. Uh, she mm-hmm, she didn't mm-hmm. do anything to the table. She just made it a better table. And yeah. so, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. I can take so it one step further, I think, uh, which is that plausibility is part of it. Uh, but another part of it is if you improve its fortune, capital F, fortune, and make it better, it's more likely to go along with it. I'm not, yes. I'm no, not I sure see it. we know enough about fortune to determine that. Like, we don't even know that capital F fortune is actually a thing. We're just surmising that. But just just with the table example, if if everything came together and the table lived a very good life that's how it would have appeared anyway like someone would have taken care of it that there's an aspect of fortune to that just of everything going the table's way i don't want to completely disagree because i feel like fortune is very important we've seen references through like hoyd has we know hoyd uses fortune in some way to be in the right place at the right time um we've seen it mentioned capital f fortune but we know very little. I've noticed a big lowercase c connection between capital C connection and identity. Like they seem to be related. Connection, identity, two important things. It could be that there's this third thing, fortune. Connection, identity, and fortune are all related to each other. So maybe that's why I don't want to completely disagree. But I also feel like we don't know enough to say that could be what's happening. But Well, I'm planting my flag in this one. Okay. <laughs> and we'll see how it works out for me. Okay. This, see, this, this is a really neat magic system, I think. Um, I'm not. I'm not holding on to this one quite as tight as I am. Stick is a, a shard in hiding. That one. No, that I one tell is you, absolutely as certain. As, as soon as Hoyd and Stick meet up, it's going to get real. If he can even find them, like that's Hoyt what he's been Stick. looking for all this time. Shalom's um, just going to casually mention this powerful stick. It's going to be, yeah, that, that's going to be. The, uh, uh, Tori, you want to try that again? You you went robot-y and mostly silent. I can see you lighting up, but I can't hear you. Maybe hang up and come back. Tori, no, come back. Yeah, Tori knows too much. The stick has claimed her. Now you're muted. Now. I got now. Can you hear me now? Now I can, yes. Okay. I leave off. I have no idea. We were talking about the stick. Yeah, as soon as Hoyd and Stick meet up, it's going to get real. Shalon's just going to casually mention this powerful stick, and Hoyd's going to be like, what? And that's going to be the climax five. I like it. Uh, so speaking of Stormlight... Uh, oh, no, no. One, wait, one wait. last Ember Soul thing. Yeah. One last Ember um, Soul thing. So there, when Shy is in prison and there's a mention of Rocklist, the unforgeable metal that's capital F forgeable, um, yeah. totally aluminum, right? Yeah, I think so. I, that's what my interpretation is. I'm pretty sure that was confirmed at some point. They just have a weird name for it for some reason. Although everywhere else, it gets auto-translated to, um, auto-translated to aluminum. Not sure why it didn't no, work out like this time. No, like the actual translations is called aluminum. Yeah. Eh, that's boring. 
I guess, I guess that's the difficulty of doing something in a different language because there's certain words that sort of make sense and it depends on the translation. It just might get lazy and be like, eh, it's just this thing. Um, all I was going to say is I think the, the magic system that Shy uses is pretty neat and it only seems to be messing with something's identity. Like you can do so much even though you're just augmenting one thing. I was promised one more thing and now you're on the second thing. We're done. I had on. my Tori's thing, and that was my thing. Nope, didn't one thing. Finish. You wanted Single to talk thing. about stick? I don't want to talk about stick. You guys want to talk about stick. You get to talk about the stuff you want to talk about constantly. We barely get a word in edgewise. <laughs> we are now moving on to the preview chapters. Yay. Are we, though? Yes, we are. Craig, tell me what happened in the two preview chapters. Stuff. Excellent. Um, that was our review of the preview chapters <laughs> this week. See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Do you- these two preview chapters were relatively shorter, I think, compared to the other preview chapters, which is nice because we're going to cover two of them right now. Um, chapter 10, that's that's the, the first one, correct? Yeah. Chapter 10 is Kaladin, um, Kaladin talking with with uh, Dalinar. Now, the first thing we have, though, while Kaladin's flying, uh, we do get a, a mention of a different honor sprint, Yun Fa, who was bonded to a windrunner but unfortunately that winner windrunner has died recently and he's looking for another bond and kaladin is sort of encouraging him to take a look at relaine and yanfa doesn't really want to because he he feels that's the enemy that relaine is is one of the enemy but i mean relaine's bridge four he i think i think it might work out they might they might bond guys relaine might become a full windrunner um yep the whole time Syl is like feeding Kaladin info on on how to how to best get through to to this other honor friend. Yeah. He likes um, following orders, Cal. Boss him around. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um so yeah, so Yanfa's gonna go take a look for ten days. Um very specific, ten days. Uh gonna go take a look at Relaine and see if, if maybe he's worth the bond, I guess. Um then they land in the Shattered Plains. And this is where Kaladin has a bit of a chat with uh, Dalinar. And it's a little bit sad, but Dalinar tells him he needs to stop fighting. He needs to not be on the front lines anymore. Like literally relieves him of duty. Yep. And maybe this is what I don't know. I'm I'm undecided on this because I feel like maybe Kaladin was using this as an excuse to sort of hide away the depression. Um, He sort of needs... He, he he needs to take a good look at himself. And if he did hesitate and freeze on the battlefield, that's a bad thing. So, although at the same time, Dalinar is also um, asking in in kind of a a not approving way about the the way that the Windrunners and the Honored Ones have been fighting each other. Yeah, that we have seen is is actually better for everybody involved. Yep, but but agreed. Dalinar's not sold, so if he's not sold on that, then he might also not be not be making the best decision with regards to Kaladin. I suppose time will tell. So yeah, I think the whole thing is that Dalinar does. I mean, he he's he was a general. He was he was a frontline fighter before. He sees things in terms of like us versus them. Like we are the good, well, not the good guys. My people versus the other people. Whereas Kaladin was sort of forming a connection with. And I do I think I do mean capital C connection with uh, some of the singers he, he did before when he when he was sort of, uh, quote unquote, captured 
with them in the past. He was sort of forming a connection there. And we I mean, my my theory is that they're going to be able to convince the these heavenly ones to maybe work with Team Meridian. Heavenly ones. Odeon. What did I call them? Honored ones. Yeah, that's not right. Heavenly ones is the right yep. one. We knew what you meant, though. So the, the flying yeah. doodads, you know, with the with the floaty yeah. and the long the long things and the spears, those guys. So Dalinar was asking about that, why they decided to sort of hold back. And he thinks they need to commit more because, you know, they are at war. And of course, he also sees that Kaladin is sort of having trouble on the battlefield, especially, I guess, related to Moash. And he he needs to pull him back. He needs, like you said, relieve him from duty, which Kaladin is not going to take well at all. Um and then it's sort of they were talking about, well, what else can Kaladin do? Because he's not just going to, you know, this is not a vacation. They're still at war. And Kaladin is very much the, he's still the high marshal. Like, I think that's he's still the high marshal. However, he's not going to be on the front lines anymore. And it's sort of like, what else are you going to do? So he's going to have, hey, 10 days to sort of figure out what he's going to do instead of being on the front line. I mean, there is no shortage of work that he could do without without just being a fighty guy. Right, but what does he want to do? He wants to be a fighty guy. Well, I, I think even though I don't necessarily agree with what Dalinar is doing, I don't necessarily disagree either. It Dalinar still has a good approach at how he did this, I should say. I'm not necessarily sure I agree, but he was able to explain it clearly to Kaladin. Hey, you're relieved from duty, but here's why, sort of thing. I mean, I completely agree. Because poor Kaladin has not mm. been taking care of his mental health. He hasn't had time to take care of his mental health. And he just mm -hmm, needs mm -hmm. time to step away and, like, self-care. Yeah. Except um, we all what, is, what is it going to do to his mental health if, while he has been ordered to step away, one of his Windrunners gets killed because he wasn't well, and there? Dal and Dalinar pointed that out. He's like, what's it going to do to your mental health? If you freeze at the wrong moment on the battlefield and your people still die, it, like even if he's there, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to protect them. Right. The, the real thing is that it's war. There's fighting. People will die. And there isn't always anything that can be done to stop that. However, so... Kaladin's dumb, broken brain is going to put him at fault for this no matter what. Mm. Again, so, he just needs to step away and take time to work on his dumb, broken brain. He needs to sort of figure out, I think, and accept the fourth ideal. So I think and and so we get uh, mentioned here that no one, no Windrunner has taken the fourth ideal yet. They they have plenty that have taken the third ideal, which is where Kaladin is at. But no one has moved beyond that yet. And we're not sure if it's because. It's in respect of Kaladin. Kaladin needs to make the first step before others can. Um, but we, from what we could tell from Oathbringer, the fourth ideal seems to be able to accept that you cannot protect everyone. It's it's something relating to being able to accept the losses, to, to being able to accept what has happened to his brother and those he tried to protect in the past, like Elokar. So um, once again, the impression that I got from Oathbringer when Kaladin was so close to saying the words, was that his words for the fourth ideal would be, I will let go of those I could not save. Seems Something as likely like as anything. Yeah. So, it, and maybe this is sort of the theme, at least for Kaladin in this book, 
is being able to try to like learn to accept that. And once he does, if he okay, if he swears the fourth ideal, I think then he will be back on the front line and he'll be able to resume his position because he won't be freezing in combat. Like he needs to essentially swear the fourth ideal if we're going to see Kaladin back in the fight. Well, and he, in swearing the fourth ideal, might get his shard plate, so he might be the safest one out there. Mm, true. Just like when he wore the the fake, what was it, the armor plates in Way of Kings to protect his people, he'll be a target because he'll have the shard plate. And uh, once he does it, then he can start helping guide others to the fourth ideal because mm-hmm. he'll have a better idea of what it is and what it means, which means soon a bunch of Windrunners will be out there with, with shard plate. Yay! So so we get these themes for Kaladin, being able to accept the people that he couldn't protect, that the fact that he wouldn't be able to protect everyone. And there's also this theme that's near the end of this chapter, talking about there's other ways to protect. You don't just have to fight in order to protect people. There are other ways to protect. It's sort of like what his father was trying to teach him before where it's like there's other ways to help people to do good you don't just need to fight although i think i think it's a a reverse of what because kaladin was sort of like you can fight to protect so uh, i don't know so this this is sort of like a low point for kaladin though he had the whole thing with moash um what's his face was killed in front of him roshon roshon was killed in front of him thanks to moash moash was trying to really needle in on his uh, depression and now Dalinar has relieved him from duty. This is the low point for Kaladin. So we're gonna have to see like what happens to Kaladin in the next few chapters. Unfortunately, this is sort of where it ends for now. So um, what happens there... in the next preview chapter? Well, one other thing is Dalinar was talking about that they need to convince the other Honor Spren, um in the Cognitive Realm to maybe you know work with the Knights Radiant. So we'll we'll have to see if if Kaladin is part of that group that goes to talk to them. Who knows? Well, okay. I think between other um, bits and pieces we've got in other places, uh, it's Adolin and Shallan in the Cognitive Realm with a sword that gives off rainbows but isn't Nightblood. <laughs> no, it's just the art. Okay, so that, that is it for Chapter 10. Moving on? Yes, Moving Chapter on. 11. So Chapter 11, we have a Venley chapter. Also, where wasn't Tori supposed to give the summary? She did such a good summary last time. But you, you like, like talking so much. Don't like the talk. I disagree, sir. I talk a lot. That doesn't mean I like it. Um, I'm totally willing to give the summary. I would. I would like as much Tori as possible on here. I was just giving you crap because I tried to interrupt at one point and you kept talking for like ten freaking minutes. Anyway, Tori, would you like to give the summary for chapter eleven? Okay, so in chapter eleven, we've got another little Navani snippet where she's lecturing on fabrial mechanics. And she talks about an iron cage can be an attractor. And we don't know what kind of cage will be a repeller. We don't know that. Nope. No idea. Um, moving on. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You're okay. Still I, get, with us. I get nervous. I get nervous. Um, all right. So we've got a Venley chapter. Uh, the first thing is that uh, Venley's all excited. Um, not like. Excited, excited, but there's there's bustle because the lady of the house is about to return. Vinley has become the servant of a very important fused named Leshwi, who we have seen before. Um, that's the one that Kaladin was fighting, in case you missed it. 
She's so going to be my new favorite character. The, the heavenly one he was fighting, because he also fought yeah, right. that other evil one. Yeah, the evil one. Um, so Vinley is still in envoy form. Uh, she is um, what's called a regal, um, because she is bonded to a void sprint, um, and that makes her better than regular singers who are just ordinary parsh people. Um, so she's a regal. But she's not as important as the fused, which are the uh, reincarnated souls of previously dead singers. Um, Leshwi is a fused. So um, they're in Kolinar. Uh, the fused have overseen the construction of these giant towers around the city. And Leshwi lives in the top of one of them. So Vinley and the other servants go to greet their lady when she returns, oh. even though. One thing. Yes. So in the last chapter, they were in the Shattered Plains and they noticed these giant pillars. And they're like, I wonder what this is for. And now in chapter 11, we have they made these giant pillars. So that way, one of the heavenly ones or maybe the fuse can live in them. Coincidence? Maybe. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, yes, um, preparing for their lady to return, even though she's currently wearing the body of a Malin form that's like because they have male and female and malin and femalin um right when they're not in mate mate form right so um even though she is um currently presenting as the other gender she's she's still a she so the whole time vinley is talking with leshwi uh her radiant spren uh timber is still around and talking to her um because she can use both Stormlight and Voidlight, and that's kind of a unique thing. Um, and looking at my notes. So Vinley kind of says a few things to Leshwi to sort of feel out how um, how Leshwi feels about the Windrunners and their enemies and humans. Um, Leshwi has been looking for a new tailor um, and is really wanting a... Uh, singer to take up tailoring but um vinley argues that you know this is a new art that we didn't have before so you really ought to go with a human tailor who actually knows about tailoring um and leshwi kind of considers it but then dismisses the idea says no how about you just take your your human tailor and have her teach uh some of our singers in art form and um and 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 see see if they can learn to tailor uh for us um because because they she doesn't want to be elevating uh the status of another human like because they've already done um to moash i don't remember what they called him um but moash oh, has that's a, who they were talking about i was wondering i'm like yeah who the heck um, are they talking about fell knight reminds me he who quiets um so moash has a fancy title that he doesn't deserve um <laughs> Uh, oh, and also the human tailor, just want to bring that up, is Yokska, which is um, Adolin's tailor uh, that they hit out with in Oathbringer. So Yokska survived. Um, and while Vinley's talking with Leshwi, she also asks, uh, so did you fight with that Windrunner again? And, and Leshwi's like, yes, I did. <laughs> and um, sort of is impressed with how Kaladin beat What's-His-Face, um, but also is kind of upset about it um so scrolling scrolling uh so that's about it for the conversation with leshwi 
then Venley goes downstairs with a couple of other servants. Um, she has convinced Leshwi to hire a new attendant for her room, which is um, Schumann, I think was her name. Um, really, Venley is trying to get Schumann to, to join a sort of rebellion that she's kind of forming like not really a rebellion in that they're going to overthrow their oppressors but like they just want to leave and have their own society away from both the fused and the humans because i mean the the regular singers are kind of getting the short end of the stick because absolutely because they went from being slaves to the humans to now being completely trod underfoot by the fuse to tell them it's for their own good which is, doesn't make it any better um so they they talk kind of vinly and uh okay she, you're, you're you cut out again yeah i think you just need to talk a little louder i think you're hitting your noise gate tori i start cutting oh no nope, that's work. not noise gate that's signal hang up and try again I'm testing you're back a little bit keep going testing yep there we yep. go all right okay so Vinley and the others about Vinley's plan, and then Timber, the Radiance, um, indicates that Leshwi's. Um, so everybody panics and. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I'm. I feel like we're missing a few words from you, Tori. Because you sort of like cut out at the end of sentences and stuff. I don't know. What yeah, you I. I think we're. I think we're losing Tori's signal. So Craig, why don't you take over? Oh, <laughs> sorry, Tori. Almost made it. Okay. Uh, where were? Okay. So yeah, they head down um, with Schumann, who's the new attendant to Leshwi. And so, sort of talk like you said, it's not quite a rebellion, but it's a group of singers who just want to want to start your own little, you know, country area thing where you're not under the fuse and you're certainly not under the humans either. Um, not quite a rebellion, but it is against what the the fuse would wish so it's sort of like this is what we are like venley explains this is how our people like this is what we are this is what we used to be as listeners this is what the listeners are um and and you know maybe maybe it's it's good maybe it's for the best so she sort of convinces schumann to join this group of people and it's sort of exciting because this, this is their own thing this is their bridge for this is their bridge for, yeah. And as, um, as Venley is becoming a Knight Radiant, these are presumably going to be her squires. Yeah. Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. Um, and then it ends with Leshwi actually coming down from her tower, which is unusual, telling her and her, her people to be ready to gather yourself because something dangerous is about to happen. So something big is on the horizon. We don't know what yet. It's a, cl it's a chasm hanger. Did I did I get everything, guys? I think so. Uh, I enjoyed that one of the uh, one of the singers pointed out it, that the plan to uh, escape and do their own thing is inherently flawed because the uh, the fused can make giant stone monsters taller than city walls happen. Yep. For now, that was that was just a little entertaining bit. So in this chapter, we got the name of the lightning evil fuse, Lezrian, Lezion. Someone else say it. I mean, we don't have an audio version yet, so your guess is as good as ours. Is it, though? The Pursuer is his name. Yeah, and, and I like how he's upset that nobody knows who he is now. It's like, my dude, it's been 4,000 years since the last time you came around. Oh, 
I think he's going to try to make a name. I-A-N. Lesian. Lesian. Legion. Legion. He's Legion. Lesian? Um, and we do get references to sort of what, what Venli's powers are. Uh, we mentioned in our spoiler discussion, um, which, by the way, guys, you should take that to new and upcoming because I want to keep that separate. Just thinking. We have we have a number of people who read our spoiler discussion who don't want to know about the next book yet. Um, I should have said that in there. I'm sorry. Where was I? Oh, so Venli can sort of look into the cognitive realm. Uh, as was mentioned, she shares some. She shares a uh, what's it called? Not augment. Surge. Sur- a surge. Yeah, a surge with else caller. She shares the transportation with them. Um, so she can look into the cognitive realms. She can see Sprin who are around, which is helpful when you're sort of trying to to create this not uprising. You want to make sure you don't have any spies. So she can look into the cognitive realm, see what Sprin are around. Uh, we also get reference that work form. I believe it's work form. They are made from gravitation sprint. And as we know, each sprint can create a different type of form if you know how to entice them into your own gem heart for uh, singers. Um, but she also has connection, capital C connection. She can understand language like the, And we're not sure. She says she doesn't think it's envoy form. So when I first heard that she can understand other languages and sort of be have that sort of connection with things uh, i'm like oh envoy form it sort of makes sense if you're an envoy that you can sort of understand other languages so you can be a diplomat sort of thing um but she doesn't think it's envoy form that's giving it to her she thinks it might be her her night radiant order the will shapers or at least that's my interpretation because if it's not an envoy form then it must be the night radiant but then again it could just be because of specifically her being a will shaper and what timbre timber i'm not gonna say any of these names correct specifically what it's doing because because timber sort of captured the void spren it's sort of it's sort of controlling and capturing the void spren that is in uh venley's heart to to make her into the envoy form so there, there could just be this weird like overlapping combination of powers that we have going on and that might just be related to how will shapers work we don't know She's a new thing. There's lots of that going around. There is. It's almost like it's a new book or something. Renarin is a new type of thing, and Venli is a new type of thing. So it's like the Knight's Radiance can change based on which spren, like what happens to spren. So, and yeah. Sill is weird for a an honor spren. Yeah, we still don't know why. There's uh, Relaine trying, trying to be a Windrunner. It's weird. There's weird stuff. There's lots of weird things, you guys. Know. You bring up a good point. If Relaine can actually form that bond with uh, Yosfa or whatever his name is, and he actually starts becoming a Windrunner, we might see differences in how his power is. In which case, that would be a clue that when a Sprint bonds with a Singer, it's different compared to when a Sprint bonds with a, with a human. And Surges just manifest themselves differently based on who it is. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. I'm just assuming Relaine's going to become a Windrunner. It's it's got to happen. I think that's a safe bet. So yeah, we finally got our Venley chapter, and this is Venley's book. Like this is supposed to be the focus on her, sort of like um, and presumably some Eshenivian flashbacks. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right. Uh, do we have any Fabriel anything to go on? Because the last theory I had on Fabriel's got immediately squashed. 
No, I I feel like if Dave were reading these chapters, he'd be able to do deduce a lot more about how they work because it seems to be related to like physical push and pull, internal, external, that sort of thing. Like, I think that where it lines up in the alimentic chart of push, pull, physical, external, internal determines more about how it can augment what a sprint does versus specifically what the alimentic power is. Right. But. I guess my point is that when I tried to extrapolate that and take a guess, I guessed wrong and was a read immediately told that in the next chapter's um, <laughs> right. epigraph. Yeah. Like, they could have swapped out the text for it and just said, hey, Mike, you're wrong, idiot. <laughs> Dash Navani at the conference. <laughs> you know, it's okay to get it wrong because you're making some good theories, I think. Even if they don't turn out to be true, at least at least it makes sense when we get the real information, I guess. At least we can we can hold firm to the knowledge that I'm 100 percent right about the stick being the one of the done. True. You are. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be a part of this anymore. You guys have fun with your memes. All right. uh, Do we have anything else for this week or shall we go ahead and call it? Let's call it. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.